or recorded this this time, so we can get it on the church website. We've missed a couple Sundays because we didn't have the recorder, but uh, appreciate everybody bearing with us. Uh, as I said in the phone call the other day and what we fa- posted on Facebook, <coughs> our plan is to do the next three Sundays, so this Sunday and the next two Sundays, online like this. And what that's going to do is allow everyone time to get over if there was any exposure during your holiday, during Thanksgiving, and through from Thursday through Sunday. Uh, if there was any exposure to any of you guys, then you wouldn't bring it to church with you. Uh, we've been doing really good at church, spreading out, doing what we're supposed to, uh, <clears throat> except for the very end, which tend to congregate and defeat the whole purpose of, of social distancing. At the end, we all kind of gather up uh, there after church. So just as a precaution, we're going to do this for the next three Sundays, and then hopefully the Sunday before Christmas we'll be back in the church uh, with a special um, worship service that we're going to have planned out uh, for the entire church or whoever can be there. So be in prayer for that. So that will be on December 20th. So December 20th, we're back in the church, Lord willing, and the, and the church don't rise. We'll be back in there to worship together uh, before Christmas and uh, before the, the we celebrate the birth of our Savior. Uh, this morning we're going to be in John chapter 15. John chapter 15, I tried to post it on there for you so you guys can see it on your screen. Uh, John chapter 15, and it's one of those um, that we've read often, and, and if it, we're not going to read the very first part of this because we know this is the vine and the branches, uh, but we're going to go just a little bit deeper below that and, and something that Jesus says because this whole chapter, chapter 15, is the words of Jesus, so in most Bibles this would be read, and I really want to focus on it today, and we're going to look at um, about how your life counts. Uh, because we live, we can live two different lives in this world. We can live a Christian life, or we can live a worldly life. And we're going to look at what life you live, and do you need to change the way you live? And it's a it's a big question uh, that only you can answer. You can ask yourself, and you can answer it if you want to. Uh, but you will see through, hopefully, through this message this morning, uh, the way that you live your life, and if it's a godly life or not. Now. For y'all that know me uh, enough, or just even a little bit, you, you know I like to be outdoors. I love to hunt, love to fish. But something that a lot of people don't like know about me is that I love to trap. I love to trap animals. <clears throat> I actually have a trap set right now out in Deep Gap trying to catch a polecat for a guy. I will catch those for you. I don't mind. I've never been sprayed, knock on wood. Uh, but I, I don't mind catching anything. And there's this trap that, I, that we use. I don't use them anymore, but I used to. But I may, I may switch and try to get one just because of this message. But they're called dog-proof traps, and it's for coon, coon hunting or catching coons. And the way that it's built, it's just a little bitty tube that the coon will reach in and grab a hold of what's in the back side and try to pull. And then it, the trap will catch its leg and, and hold it till you get there to do whatever with it. But a coon won't let go of it. Whatever's on the inside, they, they just will not let go. And... Um, I loved, loved using those traps, but uh, I got away from those and I started using the box traps. Well, as I was studying this week, I got to thinking about the different types of traps that are out there. And one of the traps that's used uh, over in, uh, in Africa, it's, uh, it's, it's the same idea as the, the dog-proof trap that I use, but it's a coconut. Believe it or not, they use a coconut and they take this coconut and they cut it in half. And then half of the piece, they'll go in and they'll bore out a little hole just big enough for a monkey to stick his hand in. And then the, on the other side of the other half of the coconut, they'll put a piece of an orange slice or something in there like that. And, and then they'll fast, 
fasten the coconut back together and they'll attach that coconut uh, over to a tree and the hunters will just sit and wait. And eventually a, a monkey is going to smell that orange and it's going to go up and it's going to find that coconut and it's going to reach its little paw in there and it's going to grab a hold of that coconut. But a monkey won't turn loose. A lot like a coon, a monkey won't turn loose of that. And it's bound and determined to get that orange out of there. But the thing is, he can't get it pulled all the way through. So the monkey is, is stuck. It's, it's trapped. And as long as that monkey keeps his fist wrapped around that orange, the monkey is trapped. It's like a coon. Well, if you think about it, the world sets traps for us that are just like those monkey traps. The, the world sets a lot of traps out there just like those coon traps. Once we get a hold of something in this life, we don't want to turn loose of it. And the, so the world has us. They've got us pinned down. And the, and the devil has us where the devil wants us. And that's not a good place to be. We want to be in a place where the, the Lord wants us to be. And that place is the center of God's will. So that's where we have to be is the center of God's will. But once we grab a hold of something in this world that we can't turn loose of, the devil's going to ride us hard. The devil's going to work us over. The devil has got us right where he wants us. And we've got to turn loose. We've got to turn loose of the world. We've got to turn loose of that piece of orange. Or for me, I like to use peppermint so I catch coon. But we've got to turn loose of that peppermint. We've got to turn loose of that orange. We've got to turn loose of the world. We've got to turn loose of that sin. We've got to turn loose of the things that's not pleasing to God. We've got to turn loose of that corruption. We've got to turn loose of that hate. We've got to turn loose of that denial. We've got to turn loose of all these things and pull back away from that trap, pull back away from the world, pull back away from the devil, and start easing our way back over towards the center of God's will. And that is some kind of hard to do. So we've got to work hard for it, and we've got to learn, we've got to turn loose, we've got to open up our hands and slip out of that trap. Now you hear constantly in this world that if you just have enough stuff, if you just have enough money, if you just have enough power, then you're going to be happy. That's, and that's why we reach out and grab that stuff. Those things, that money, that stuff, that power is worldly stuff that we want to grab a hold of and we want to hang on to. And the world tells us, the devil will tell us, if you grab a hold of that stuff, then you're going to be happy. The devil says, I promise you, you're going to be happy if you'll just hang on to this stuff, this power, this money. You'll be happy. But I know what my Bible says. My Bible tells me that the, the devil is the father of all lies. So when the, the devil says you're going to be happy if you'll hang on to this stuff, the devil just told you a ball-faced lie because that's what he does. You don't need that power. You don't need that money. You don't need that stuff to be happy. The only thing that you need in this life is Jesus. And once you have Jesus, I promise you, according to the Word of God, you're going to be happy. Now, is life going to be a bed of roses? Absolutely not. Is it going to be biscuits and gravy the, the whole rest of your life? No, it's not. Will it be peaches and cream the rest of your life? No, it's not. It's going to be hard. And sometimes it's a little bit more difficult to go through life as a, as a Christian because the devil will make it a little bit harder on you, or a lot harder on you sometimes. It's not. But you will find peace and you will find happiness with Jesus. Now, under that illusion that the devil lays out there in front of us that if you have this, this money and this stuff and this power, under that illusion... Uh, people spend their whole life thinking that you've got to have it all, that you've got to have all this stuff. And again, that is a lie that has come out of the pits of hell that the devil has implanted in your mind, that i got to have this stuff. If you, get, if you have it all, 
you're going to be happy. Now, the call to Christianity is not like that of the world, and we need to remember that. The call that we have as Christians is unlike any other call in the world because we have a job to do once we have been saved by God's good grace. We have a calling. Now, not everybody's calling is the same. Not everybody's calling is to become a, a preacher or an evangelist. Not everybody's calling is to be a deacon or a Sunday school leader or a choir leader. Everybody's calling, though, is to make disciples, believe it or not. As a Christian, we are to make disciples. That's what we have done, and I've talked about this a lot over the years because I'm a firm believer in it. Jesus made disciples, and his disciples made disciples, and his disciples made disciples, and those disciples made disciples, and you keep going through the disciple-making thing going on here over the next 2,000 years, and boom, here we are. Because Jesus made disciples, we are part of that. We, we are part of that disciple-making that Jesus did over 2,000 years ago. Here we are. And we've got to continue that on. We've got to continue making these disciples. That is a high calling of a Christian. And we have to do that. We have to do that. And some of y'all say, well, I'm too shy. I can't do this. I can't, I can't, I can't be around other people. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm shy and I don't like to talk about my faith. I don't want to give my testimony. Folks, let me tell you one thing. If you will give it one time, the next time will be a little easier. And the next time will be a little easier. All you've got to say is, I love Jesus. Or maybe tell, him, tell, the, tell the person you're with there just how good he's been to you. Or how he healed you. Or how he saved you. Just tell them. And the next time will be a little easier and a little easier. And you're making disciples and you don't even know it. We've got to make those because Jesus started it out. It don't need to end with us. We've got to keep passing it down and handing it off and making more disciples in this world. And I want you to think about what the world focuses on. The world focuses on what you get out of life. That's what the world wants you to focus on. What am I going to get out of this life? But what the Christian has to focus on, the Christian has to focus on what can we give in this life? What can I offer to the world in this life? What can I give back to God for his sacrifice of his son for us? What can I give to the world? Not what do I get out of this life? We are so focused on the worldly things. We are so focused on what's in it for me. What am I going to get out of it? And we've got to get past that as a Christian. We've got to get past this whole what's in it for me. Because when you say what's in it for me, you've made it about you. This Christian life, it ain't about you, folks. I, I hate to bust your bubble, but it's about him. It's about Jesus. That's what it's all about. Not what, what's in it for me. What am I going to get out of it? Once you're saved, let me tell you what you're going to get out of it. Heaven. That's what you get out of it. You're going to get eternal life with our Lord and Savior in heaven. That's what I am looking forward to. Yes, I have to make sacrifice. We all have to make sacrifices. We don't, we don't have to physically give up our body. What we have to do is we've got to give up the worldly things, that power, that money, the stuff. We have to let go of the stuff that's in that trap and let God have control of us. Let God use us in a great way. So this morning I want us to learn not how to make our life count from a worldly perspective, but from a spiritual perspective. If you got your Bibles open, put your coffee down. And Paisley, you need to put your pancakes down for just a minute. And listen, we're going to be over in John 15, verse 7 through 11. The Bible says, If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, 
and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. I love that. Let's pray. Father, this morning as uh, we start this Sunday morning off, uh, Lord, again, we're not together, but we're together. Uh, Lord, because there's a couple of us that are together. There's two or three of us gathered in your name. And Lord, I pray that you would honor this, honor our efforts today. Lord, I pray that you would uh, be pleased with how we try, Lord, to continue to spread your message and preach your gospel and tell the world about your son, Jesus Christ, and, and, that, and that, uh, that cross that he suffered and died upon. Lord, I pray that you would allow us to keep telling the whole world, whether it be physically, Lord, in person, or, or maybe just uh, through uh, the technology that we're using right now. But, Father, I pray that you would allow us the opportunity to keep telling the world about your son's saving grace. And, Lord, I pray that you would uh, bless our time together today. And, Lord, as uh, we continue to uh, try to stay healthy and, and try to do as we can to prevent any spread of this disease, I pray, Lord, that you would keep us healthy. Uh, place a hedge of protection around us, Lord, as we go into the next uh, three or four weeks uh, where we're going to start seeing more gatherings. Uh, Lord, in those gatherings, I pray that you would uh, keep us healthy and keep us safe. And, Lord, again, I pray that you would bless our time together this morning. We love you and we praise you. All this in your son's name we pray. Amen. All right, so we're, we are, we're going to look at some words of Jesus this morning. It comes out of John. And what we're going to look at first is, is, is the life that counts is a Christ-centered life. That's the life that counts. It's not any other life. But the life that counts is a Christ-centered life. If you look back over at verse 7, it tells us, If ye abide in me. Now, remember what I told you. This is in red, which means Jesus said this. And since Jesus said this, and you go back and you read this verse, it says, if you abide in me, that means Jesus saying, if you abide in me, if you abide in Jesus. If you abide, if you abide in Jesus, the life that counts is not a self-centered life. The life that counts is not about you. The life that counts is not about me. The life that counts is about him. And we've got to get that through our thick skulls and our hardened hearts that it's about him. I ain't got nothing to do with it. All I can do is praise him and honor him and worship him the way that we're supposed to. That's all I can do. I can try to give my testimony. I can try to stand here and preach if I can. But it's not about me. It's about him and about what he has done for us. And it's about the way that he saved us. It's about the... The fact that he came down here, we're, we are, this is the 29th of November. I told Maria this morning, I cannot believe November's over with. One more day, we've got tomorrow and it's over with. And we're in December. And what happens in December? Well, we're supposed to focus on the birth of my Savior. But we tend to focus on worldly things. But at this point in time, it is up to us to, to, to remind society, remind this old sin-sick, ungodly world that we're living in right now, what this holiday is what this celebration is this celebration of the birth of our jesus is it is up to us to remind the world that that's what we're doing this month december 25th ain't about what's under the tree it's about what was in the manger december 25th ain't about what's going to be brought to us as a gift 
December 25th is about what was brought down to us out of heaven. It's a fact that Jesus Christ himself gave up everything that was in heaven to come down here for uh, 33 and a half years as a, as a lowly old carpenter and a preacher to die on a cross for us. We've got to remind everybody about that. We are so wrapped up in what's wrapped up that we forget about what this is all about. It is about Jesus only. It's about not about what's for me under that tree. All right, it's about what's what's been given to us. Us. Not me. All of us. All of mankind. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He gave his only begotten son. That's the best present any of us could ever receive. He gave him to us. We we can't pay him back for it. When you get a Christmas present this year, do you try to repay that person? Whoever gave you that present, do you try to repay them? No, you, you, you don't. We, we could try as hard as we want to, but we could never repay God for the precious gift of his son, Jesus Christ, that he gave to us. You can try. You can thank him. You can praise him. That's the best we can do right now is praise him for what he gave us and then tell others about what he gave them too. We don't have to tell them about Jesus just on December 25th or the month of December. We've got 365 days, 24 hours in that day, seven days in that week. We need to be telling everybody all the time about Jesus and what he can do for us. And one of the biggest problems in churches today is self-centeredness instead of Christ-centeredness. Our churches are, are turning into the me church. I've talked about it a lot. I know y'all probably tired of hearing about the me church. But that's what these churches are turning into. It's the me church. It's about what, what's in it for me. It's not what's in it for him. It's not about what he has done for us. And so we're turning, and we're seeing a lot of churches split over crazy things like, what color is the carpet going to be? What kind of music are we going to sing? I don't like that hymn. Let's not sing that hymn no more. That's what's going on in, in, this, in these churches nowadays. When your thoughts are about you, then you can't worship. When you come in and all you can think about is, man, we've got to change the carpet color. It's getting old. Or, man, I don't want to sing that song anymore. It's getting old. When you start thinking like that, you're thinking about yourself. And you're not thinking about worshiping Jesus. And so your heart is not in the right place. You're not ready to worship. But when, you focus, uh, when your focus is on worshiping Jesus and nothing else, when you focus on pleasing Him and absolutely nothing else, it really doesn't matter what song is being played or what song is being sung or what color the carpet is or if there's carpet at all. Rip the carpet up and put hardwood down. Sounds better. It don't matter about all that stuff. When your heart is focused on worshiping him and him alone, then you're going to worship. Block the worldly stuff out. Don't Pick out your church colors on a Monday morning, not Sunday during worship service. Gripe and grumble about the songs that you sing after church, not while you're there inside the church. Because if you go in with bitterness in your heart and, and, and trying to make decisions on God's time, you ain't going to worship. You're not going to enjoy that. You're not going to hear what's being sung or what's being preached. You're too focused on yourself. Stop it. Stop focusing on yourself. Stop making it the me church. Start making it his church again like it's supposed to. It's all about him. The Christ-centered life is about us getting ourselves out of the way and letting God live inside of us. Get me out of the way 
get you out of the way, get us out of the way, and let him be the center of our lives. Let our lives shine and show for him. Let him be the center of our hearts. Let him in, though. That's the problem. We, we tend to block him out. We've got to let him in. Now, the second thing we're going to look at is the life that counts is a Bible-anchored life. I like my Bible. I love my Bible. I like to, I, and, and no offense to you guys that use your phone as a Bible. No, don't take any offense to this. I love the sound of that right there. I love that sound. I love being able to read and just hear that sound. I love to hear my pages turn in the feel of that Bible. I love to hold my Bible. It don't weigh a lot. Not that heavy. Can I open it up? I can take it with me. Folks, if the world would just open up their Bible and turn those pages, we wouldn't be in this predicament that we're in right now. We wouldn't be in about a shape as we are right now as a country and as a world. But nobody wants to turn those pages. Nobody wants to open up their Bible. Nobody wants to let this Bible anchor their life. What we do is we tend to let experience anchor our lives. This Bible might not weigh a lot, but this Bible will anchor you down. You've got to open it up, though. Don't just carry it around. You've got to open it up. If you look at an anchor, an anchor, the way it's shaped, it's got hooks on it. It's, it's opened up. If I just throw a piece of lead in the water, it ain't going to hook on nothing. It's not going to prevent me from getting sucked out to sea or wherever I'm at. You've got to open them anchors up so it can grab a hold of something. You've got to open up your Bible so that you can grab a hold of something. There's something in here for you right now. For somebody that's struggling, for somebody that needs answers, for somebody that needs direction, open your Bible up so that it can grab a hold of something. If it's just laying on your coffee table waiting for next Sunday or December 20th when you get to go back to church, it ain't going to do you no good. Open that thing up and let it grab a hold. Let it, let it secure you. Let it hold you down and keep you from being drug out into the next storm. But you've got to open it. Now, don't you look at verse 7 again. It says, and my word, my word abides in you. My word, this is his word, your Bible, my Bible. That's his word. And he says, and my word, that's Jesus' word, abides in you. Now, as a Christian, we tend to live what we call an experience-based life. An experience-anchored life instead of a Bible-anchored life. You ain't going to get nowhere that way. You're actually going to get drug out offshore or into the storms if you live your life based on experience. You will live your life based on what the Bible says. You're going to be you're going to be anchored down. You're going to be secured. You're going to be held fast. You're going to be anchored to the point where you can't get drug out to. Uh, out to the middle of the, the deep blue sea out there where all those great fish are swimming around. Now, in order for us to live 
a Bible-anchored life, we have to know three things. Listen to these three, three things. Number one, we've got to learn it. We've got to learn it. The Word can't anchor our life if we don't learn it, if we don't spend time in the Word. Y'all, I, 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 I'm honest with you, I think back in April when we started doing the morning devotions on the church page, that has done probably more good for me than any of the offers. Cause me to be a lot more dedicated, not to you, but to the Word. It, it helps me learn. Some of them ain't as good as others, I know. Some of them are kind of dry. Some of them are great. But it's helping me learn a lot more because I'm in it every single day, a lot more than I used to be. I used to just focus on where am I preaching next Sunday? Lord, where am I going to be next Sunday? And now it's, Lord, what we're doing tomorrow morning. Lord, what's going to come up tomorrow morning? And so I'm constantly in it, so I'm constantly learning. So we've got to open it up. We've got to learn it. And the number two, we've got to live it. If we spend time in the Word, in the Bible, but we don't put it into practice in this life, then we're not accomplishing much. We've got to live it. So whatever we're reading, whatever we're studying, whatever we uh, are doing in the devotion or on Sunday mornings or whatever it is, Whatever we are doing in the Word, we got to go out and live it. We got to practice what we're preaching. We got to show the world what's going on. This is what God is is telling me. This is what I'm learning from His Word. We got to live it. Now, number three, we got to love it. We got to love it. So, if we're if we're not if if we're not in love with the Word of God, then we'll not stick to it. If you're not in love. It's just like a job almost. Not, not this is a job, but it's almost like a job where if you don't love it, you're not going to stick with it. If you don't love what you're doing, you're going to move on. Folks, we've got to love this. We ought to love it. It's, 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 one of the, it's the most beautiful love letter that's ever been written to mankind right here. How could you not love it? It's inspired word of God. How do you not love that? How can you not turn open Genesis or flip open the Psalms or go up to Luke and read the Nativity or go back in to, to John and read the Crucifixion? How, how, how can you not open this thing up and not love it? You can open up any book. I, I don't read books. I don't like books. I, I'm not against them. I just don't like to read them. I like to read my Bible and my commentaries. That's about it. I've never read a book, though, that spoke to me. I've never, back in high school, when I was having to do all that, those whatever we did back in high school, when I read those books, they didn't move me. They didn't speak to me. They didn't tear, uh, tear me up inside. They didn't touch my heart. They didn't make me an emotional wreck. My Bible does. I can go through and read something and grin from ear to ear because it's speaking to me. I can read something else and well up with tears because it's speaking to me. You ain't going to find that in any other book. You better learn it. You better live it. And you got to love it. And if you love it, then you're going to be able to learn it more. And if you love it, you're going to be able to live it more. Learn it. Live it. Love it. That's your Bible. 
2 Timothy 2.15 says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. I love that. Number three, the life that counts is a prayer-supported life. And this one's a tricky one because it's talking about something that we don't do often enough, and that's prayer. We've got to pray. We've got to have a great, a awesome prayer life. We've got to be able to communicate between us and the Father, not the Father that's over, you know, in the little porta potty like the Catholics talk about. That's not that Father. I'm talking about the Father, the Heavenly Father. That's the Father. That's the one that we need to be communicating to. Verse 7, it keeps going. It says, Ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done. The Bible says, You have not because you ask not. You ever thought about it? Lord ain't blessing me right now. The Lord ain't working in my life right now. I haven't heard from God lately. Why have you asked? Have you talked to him? It's, it's your fault. If you're not hearing from God, if you're not receiving the blessings, it's because you're not talking to him. you got to talk to him. you got to have that prayer life. Prayer is more than just giving God a laundry list of needs and wants that you have and then expecting him to jump when you call him. He don't work that way. My God <coughs> ain't a genie in a bottle. My God ain't a fairy godmother. My God will supply all my needs according to him. That's my God. That's the God I serve. I don't want anyone to treat him uh, like a like a, a slave. Give him your, your shopping list and say, just bring it back to me when, when you can. He don't work that way. We can't treat him like that. That's, that's a, abused him. He, he is almighty. He is powerful. He is loving. He's caring. I praise God he's long-suffering, which means he ain't short-tempered like the rest of us. He's long-suffering. He's going to put up with stuff a little bit longer than the rest of us would. At some point, yeah, he's going to speak up. He's going to make you stop. But he loves us. A true, authentic prayer life is the key to living a truly victorious Christian life. You've got to have a good prayer life. You've got to be a prayer warrior. You've got to go to your prayer closet if you've got one. Go and pray. Stop what you're doing and just pray. When somebody calls you and says, hey, will you pray for me? Don't just say, yeah, I'll pray for you tonight when you go to bed because you know what? You won't do it. You stop right then and pray with them. Pray for them. Whatever. God has laid it on their heart that you are a person of prayer. And he wants you to join them in that prayer, whatever it might be. So we've got to have a good and authentic prayer life. Mark eleven twenty four tells us, Therefore I say unto you, what things soever ye desire, when ye pray, I love this, he says, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. He said believe, that's the thing. A lot of prayers is lip service. A lot of prayers. I believe it truly what it says over in Matthew where it says not to pray in, in, in vain repetition. Don't keep saying the same old prayer because at some point you're going to stop believing in what you're saying. we got to believe in what we're saying. He's telling us right here, when ye pray, believe that ye receive them. Believe. When you pray, you believe. When you've got an illness, an illness, an illness, when you've got health issues, when you've got financial issues, when you've got personal problems going on in your life, when you pray 
for those situations, you've got to believe that ye receive them. You've got to believe that he's going to fix them. But you've got to believe when you pray. Stop saying these one and dones and these repeats. Make it personal and believe when you say what you're praying. Believe it with your heart that he is going to fix it for you. Jeremiah 33, 3 says, Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. He's going to surprise you. When he says right there, which thou knowest not, God will surprise you. You start praying to him, and you start believing what you're praying, he's going to shock you. He's going to surprise you. He's going he's to leave you in awe. And he's going to make you want to tell people what he's just done for you. Just by what he's done for you. You're going to want to tell the world just what he's done for you. I love that. I'm going to say it again. Call unto me, and I will answer thee and show thee mighty, show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. I love that. If we have never honed a good prayer life with God, then it will it'll be just it'll just be dead. You just got a dead prayer life. You got to hone it. You got to sharpen it. You got to work on it daily, constantly. And if you don't, it's just going to wither away. So we've got to continue to grow our prayer life and, and build on it, make it stronger. There's no way that we can live a life that counts for Jesus on this earth without a truly true prayer-supported life. You've got to pray. How do you communicate to the Father if you don't pray? Romans 8.26 says, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray Whereas we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. So I said all that, we've got to pray, but there's sometimes in our lives when we can't pray. We just don't know what to say. Lord, I'm, I'm speechless. I don't know what words to say. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to ask for. But the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit is there. It says... The, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray, for we ought. But the Spirit, the Holy Spirit itself, maketh intercession for us. Praise God, we got the Holy Spirit in our, in our hearts. And when we can't pray, we just pray. Because the Holy Spirit, He's that intercessor. He's the one that's taking it on up to higher levels. And He's going to get it to the one that can do something about it. Number four. I like this. A life that counts is a fruit-bearing life. Look at verse 8 again. It says, Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. If we have any hope of honoring God in this life uh, and with this life, then we have to live a fruit-bearing life. And we've got to show others what he can do for us. What is a fruit-bearing life? We'll put it like this. If I go up to an apple tree... What do I expect to pick off that apple tree? Oranges? No. If I go to apple tree, I'm going to pick apples. If I go over here to an orange tree, what am I going to pick off of it? Grapes? No. I'm going to pick oranges off of that orange tree. If I go up to a grapevine, am I going to pick plums? No. If I go to a grapevine, I'm going to pick grapes off of it. With our lives, when someone walks up to us, should they expect to hear things of the world in our speech? Should they be able to see things of the world in our actions? No. If we are of God, if we are Christians, they should be able to see and hear godly things. 
They should be able to see Jesus on us, everything that we say and everything that we do. That's what they expect. That's what God expects out of us, and that's what we should be doing. If I'm an apple tree, you're going to get an apple. If I'm a grapevine, you're going to get a grape. That's the way we ought to be. That's the way we're supposed to be. Galatians 5.22. I love these spirits. I, I, I had to throw this in here. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Th those are the fruits of the Spirit. What fruits? That's that, Those are the fruits that we are to be bearing. So when people see us, and what we're doing. When people hear us and what we're saying, they should be able to hear and see love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. That's what they should see in us. So we've got to, again, practice what we preach and, and have a tongue that's of grace and not of the gutter, as James talks about. A godly, fruit-bearing life will be branded by praising Jesus with our words and our actions, it will be marked in a good way. Be branded because of what he's done for us. Number five, the life that counts is a love-motivated life. The life that counts is a love-motivated life. Look at verse 9. It says, continue ye in my love. Again, this is Jesus. This is in red. So he's talking to us, and he says, continue ye in my love. So continue in Jesus' love. As a follower of Jesus, everything we do and say should be motivated by love. Everything that he did was motivated by love. Everything that God did was motivated by love. John 3.16 again, for God so loved the world. It was motivated by love. Love, we are his. He created us. So all that he did for us was out of pure love, agape love, that big love, that God-sized love that we talk about. We, he did it out of love. Everything that we do has got to be out of love. The uh, Bible doesn't say it this way. Now, don't ever take this out of, out of context, please. But we are to hate the sin and love the sinner. That's not a Bible verse beyond popular belief, but you put enough Bible verses together, you'll come up with that. We are to, to mimic Jesus. We are to hate the sin, but love the sinner. Oh, I can't, I can't love him. He's been too mean. He, he was a mean boy growing up, or she was, she was a mean girl growing up, or they've got a bad reputation, or whatever it might be. I can't love them. Yeah, you can. Hate their sin, but love their sin, love the sinner. Hate the sin, love the sinner. The Bible says that we are known as Jesus' disciples by the love that we show for one another. You go back and you look at the Good Samaritan and what he did. He did it out of love. He didn't do it for recognition. Yet he is so recognized now, it's, it's amazing. But he didn't do it to be popular 2,000 years later. He did it out of love. You go through the Bible time and time again, and you see where someone has stepped up and done something. It wasn't to flaunt themselves and to get recognition for what they've done. They've just done it out of pure love. 
If you look at Jesus and all that he done, when he was in the crowd, when he ate, when we were talking about uh, Zacchaeus the other day, uh, he's, here was Zacchaeus, a hated person because he, he's a tax collector. They didn't like him. But yet Jesus goes out of love and eats with him. And you, and you go and, and look at the, the, the lepers, and you look at the crazy guys, and you, you look at all that Jesus has done, all that was written in the Gospels about him, and, and well, beyond the Gospels. He didn't do anything out of recognition. He done it all out of love. And he gave honor to the Father. He done it out of love and gave honor back to God. That's what we do. That's what we're supposed to do. Everything we do in this life, when we go and we help someone maybe buying groceries that are having a hard time right now, or we give them a little bit of money because they're having a hard time right now, we do it out of love and not for recognition. If we do it right, nobody's going to know what we've just done. If we do it right, that's between you and God. Only God is going to know what you've done. Left hand, right hand. We've got to do it that way. When we go out and flaunt about buying the guy at McDonald's, the homeless guy at McDonald's a, a, a meal, when we go out and tell the world about it, uh, we're looking for recognition. The best way to do that, buy that meal, give it to that person, and just let God know about it. There's where your blessing comes from. When you start bragging about it, you're probably going to miss that blessing. John 13.35 says, By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. I love that. He's, he's telling us, Jesus' disciples, by the love that we show for one another, it shows that we are his disciples. It's hard to do. I know. It's hard to show that love. And, and after Thanksgiving and here comes Christmas and you're cooped up with some of your family members that you just don't get along with, you can't, get, can't like sometimes, you still got to love them. I remember growing up, one of the youth leaders I had one time was talking about my sister. We've probably been fighting once or twice or a hundred times that day. And I was mad when we got to church. And I'll never forget, he said, you don't like your sister right now, do you? And I said, no, I don't. He said, but you still love her, don't you? <laughs> and I said, yeah, I guess I do. And, and I've heard that a lot growing up is that, you know, you don't, have to, you, you don't have to like them right now, but you always have to love them. And that's, what, that's where good discipleship comes from is you always love them. Don't like what they do. Don't like what they say, but you still love that person. Even, even in, in all their sin, even in all that they're going through, you've got to love that person. Show that love because that's what, that's, that shows the world that we are a disciple of Jesus Christ when we show that love. The Bible teaches us that we are to love the Lord with all our what? All our heart, our mind, our strength, all that we have in us. We are to love him. And when we love him and we love others with all that, then we are being the disciples he's called us to be. We are to love the word of God because it is the very word of God given to us to live by. Love this word. Learn it. Live it. Love it. Because it is the word of God. We are to love the church no matter what hymn we sing or what color the carpet might be. We've got to love the church. We've got to love one another. And we're going to close this morning with this. Are you living the life that counts? And that's the question I asked you at the beginning. Are you living the life that counts? Is it counting for you? Is it counting for him? Is it counting for your family? 
or is it counting for God? What life are you living? That's a, that's a big question. That's a huge question that only you can answer. Are you living the Christ-centered life? If you're, a, if you're living a Christ-centered life and you're worshiping a Christ-centered church and you are in the center of God's will, that's exactly where you need to be. And that is pleasing to God. But is the Bible your anchor? We just talked about this. The Word of God, is it your anchor? Is it just a book that you throw in? Or is it a book that you've opened up and you're letting it work and you're letting it grab a hold and, and anchor you down? The prayer supported life, is that you? Do you have a prayer? Are you praying? Do you pray daily or do you just close your eyes when the preacher prays on Sunday mornings and, and say thank you, Lord, or whatever? That's, 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 your, that's your decision. How much do you pray? Or do you get up in the morning and say, oh, Lord, here we go again? What do you say? How, what's your prayer life like? The fruit-bearing life. Is that you? Do others see the good fruits of God on you? When they go up to you as an apple tree, are they seeing apples or oranges? If they go up to you as an orange tree, are they seeing oranges or grapes? If they go up to you as a grapevine, are they seeing plums or grapes? Hopefully, they're seeing good fruit on you. you. They are seeing godly, good godly fruit on you. Is your life a love-motivated life? That's, that's the big one. Is your life love-motivated? The love that you have for the Father, the love that you have for your church, the love that you have for the Word of God, do others see that? Is that the kind of life that you live? If, if, this, if these right here, if these five describe your life, then praise God and, and preserve it to the end. If those five describe you. If none of those describe you, then it's time for you to stop and confess to God your shortcomings. Repent and start trying to live the life that he would lead you to live. The life that would put you back in the center of his will. The life that would be pleasing to him. So are you living a life that counts? Does your life count? Does your life matter? Mattered to God. Mattered so much that he sent his only begotten son. Once you've accepted him and his good grace and made him your, your uh, Lord and Savior, does your life count now? Are you making it count? all the sacrifice that he made for you are you making it count let's pray father god this morning as uh, we end this uh this sunday service lord and we end it on a on a question father i pray that each person can ask themselves that question are they living the life that counts are they living the life that matters are they living the christian life or is the life that they're living worldly only they know when when then father if they have any hindrance in their life if, if there's something in there that's stopping them from loving something in there that's stopping them from learning and living god i pray that they would come to you and ask for forgiveness and ask for a cleansing of the heart god where they can come back to you and learn and live and love like we're supposed to god i pray that we continue to make those disciples that we talked about lord give us opportunity uh, to, to go out Lord, and, and give our testimony. Go out and, and preach. Lord, go out and sing a, a hymn. Go out and carol or go out and do whatever we're going to do this year for Christmas. Lord, just allow us 
an opportunity to continue to make these disciples. Lord, it's been going on for thousands of years. Don't let it stop from 2020. Allow us to keep making them. And, and Lord, we just uh, pray uh, that you continue to keep us healthy and safe in all that we do. Lord, and I pray that you would touch the hearts of those that were able to listen this morning and, and just bless them and bless our time together. Bless these homes that are to gathered together uh, to listen this morning and to worship together as families. And Lord, I pray that you continue to keep us healthy. And Lord, we pray that you would help us get through the rest of this year. And Lord, I, I pray that the outlook for the, the world uh, is looking brighter as things are happening right now that uh, will allow us to get back to a normal life. And Lord, we know that you're involved. We know that your hand's involved. And Lord, we know that, that you have done this, Lord, to allow us to focus back on you and know that you are in control. And so, Lord, we praise you today for what you're doing and what you're going to do. And we thank you. All this in your son's name we pray. Amen. All right, church, I hope you all have a great uh, rest of your Sunday. And I'll be back on here tomorrow morning for devotions.